0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. If you've been rubbing your eyes, sniffling and sneezing, you could be suffering from seasonal allergies. When spring arrives in Minnesota, the trees turn green and... Pop with pollen. And when all that snow melts, mold spores release into the air. For people with seasonal allergies, just when you want to go outside, the outdoor environment is likely to turn you into a sneezy, sniffling mess. One in every four adults and one in five children have seasonal allergies. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And environmental allergies are becoming even harder to manage. Climate change is lengthening the pollen season and making some plants produce more pollen. And right now, we're going to talk about what's happening with allergies and how to diagnose and treat them. We're taking your phone calls. I want to hear your stories and hear your questions. Do you have seasonal allergies? How do they affect your life? What treatments or medications have you tried? And what has worked? You can call us at 651 227 6000 or 800 242 2828. Let's bring in our guests. We have Dr. Pramod Kelkar with us. Dr. Kelkar is an allergy and asthma specialist with Alina Health, joining us from the Woodbury Clinic this morning. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Kelkar. Thank you so much, Angela, and it's a pleasure to be here on the program. Oh, we look forward to hearing what what you have to say. We also have with us Kenneth Mendez, the President and CEO of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Now, that is a national patient organization for people with asthma and allergies. It provides support, advocacy, education, and research. Kenneth and two of his children have asthma and allergies. He's joining us from Arlington, Virginia. We're so glad you could be with us this hour, Kenny. Great. Thank, thanks for having me. Good to be here. All right. Everybody's voice sounds nice and clear and strong. I'm trying not to sneeze and cough my way through this hour. Uh, Dr. Kelkar, describe what happens in the springtime, uh, particularly here in Minnesota, that really uh, makes our allergies uh, kick kick up. You know, springtime is mostly the tree pollen season. We are blessed in
1: Minnesota with so many trees, mm-hmm. but with those trees, comes the tree pollen season. And the tree pollens can be pretty high in springtime, especially in the beginning of the season. Also, there is mold allergy as the snow goes away and we have wet areas in the garden and around us. The wetness triggers mold growth. So we have tree pollens as well as mold allergy, both during springtime.
0: I mentioned some of the symptoms, but uh, you go through the list. What else uh, seems to appear in in, in folks who have a problem with tree pollen and and this mold?
1: You know, common symptoms for allergies are stuffy nose, runny nose, sneezing, itchy eyes, watery eyes, red eyes. In addition to that, some patients can also have asthma, which can be Mm allergy-triggered. And the asthma symptoms can be coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath, chest tightness.
0: And how does this affect quality of life? As you think about uh, people trying to go to work or go to school uh, or just, you know, participate in any activity, what do your patients describe?
1: Yeah, this can have tremendous impact on your quality of life. First of all, if you're miserable with stuffy nose, runny nose, sneezing, very difficult to concentrate at work, very difficult to concentrate in the school. Also, if you are congested, nasal congestion can cause difficulty breathing through the nose at night and the sleep can get disrupted. And you can only imagine when the sleep gets disrupted, what kind of effects it's going to have. You're going to feel tired during the day. You're going to feel more stressed out during the day because you did not get good night's sleep Mm -hmm. and many other things
0: a lot of uh, a lot of people very uh, irritable right now uh Kenny as you can imagine but as we look nationwide you know what does spring mean for allergies across the country Yeah, yeah well
1: what we balance.
0: yeah can you go right ahead Yeah sure what we found so we released
2: this you ask about the entire country mm-hmm. uh and and building on what D- Dr. Kelkar said we release an allergy capitals report we look at the 100 largest cities in the United States and the ones that are most challenging to live in with allergies, and we look at three things. One is access to specialists like Dr. Mm -hmm. Kalikar, pollen counts, and then over-the-counter medication usage. Those are the three things that we use to measure uh, where a city fits on those rankings. But what we've heard and what we're seeing is uh, longer growing seasons, so that means a longer allergy season, and more intense releases of pollen, so just more intense allergy seasons, and we, that's directly because of
0: climate change. So, so tell me more about this. A, a longer season with, with pollen and more pollen as well?
2: Yes. So the growing season starts a lot sooner because it starts to get warmer much sooner. So Dr. Kalkar was talking about Minnesota and the trees that are starting, uh, plus the mold during frost. Because it's warmer, that growing season starts much sooner. And then it ends much later because the first frost, which kills off the uh, weeds in the fall, primarily crabgrass, that happens much later. So that's why you get a longer growing season because of the warmer temperatures starting to grow sooner, ending much later because the cold doesn't come in. And then add to that the increased carbon dioxide in the air from climate change, and that acts as a, a, a stimulant for pollen release from plants. There have been studies that show that uh, there are more intense releases of carbon dioxide uh, that creates um, more intense releases of pollen from carbon dioxide, which creates the allergic reactions.
0: And Dr. Kelkar, as we look at what's happening in Minnesota, we're talking about tree pollen now, but there's more to come because we've got the plants and as well as grass. So as we get deeper into spring and summer, will we see even more pollen?
1: Yes. So when the tree pollen dies down, that will be in summer, we will have grass pollen. And the grass pollen dies down in the beginning of fall, and then we are going to have ragweed. And as you know, Midwest is Mm. the capital of ragweed. Ragweed is very predominant here. Mm -hmm.
0: And so that speaks to why you shouldn't uh, just suffer, right? Like like why you should try to seek out a treatment or a doctor or, or someone or something to help you with it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, in Minnesota, we have a window of opportunity to enjoy outdoor warmer temperatures. If you are miserable with allergies, I always tell patients, don't deny yourself the pleasure of outdoors because we have so many good treatment options available these days that practically everybody, irrespective of how severe their allergies are, as long as they are on the right treatment plan, they should be able to enjoy the outdoors. Mm.
0: And then when we look again, um, uh, Kenny, at, at climate change, um, I know that the um, Allergy and Asthma Foundation puts out a report comparing different regions. And so I, I want to know, how does Minnesota compare to other states in terms of like the changes that we're seeing and how bad the allergies uh, are? Sure. I so, haven't seen uh, the this year's report, so maybe oh, my I'm colleague asking, can speak yeah, to I'm that. Yeah, I'm asking Kenny that. Yeah, go ahead, Kenny. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah
2: so so we look at so it's the 100 largest cities and so Minneapolis uh ranks at number 48 in the 2023 Allergy Capitals report mm-hmm. um, it was previously uh number 82 in 2022 so it 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 jumped up and i could tell you that uh we changed the methodology a little bit specifically with pollen scores we looked at pollen releases per what Dr. Kelkar just said. We also looked at the summer months and the release of grass pollens too. So we looked at, um, from the beginning, you know, when the tree pollen starts straight through previously, we had taken a snapshot of pollen, but, uh, where, where Minneapolis ranked, uh, it was scored worse than average for overall pollen. Uh, including a worse-than-average score for tree pollen, which is what Dr. Kelkar was just mentioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, It scores better than average for medicine usage uh, and about average for allergy specialists. So we need more Dr. Kelkars in your state.
0: And did I hear those numbers correctly? You said that on this list, comparing the Twin Cities uh, area to other cities across the nation, we went from 82 to 28 as far as how bad it is?
2: uh, No, you went from... uh, Number 82 to 48. 82 to 48. Okay. But still yeah. a
0: significant increase in, in it's
2: just... still a significant jump. And, and that's probably because of the, uh, the measure of pollen that we're looking at now. We're, we're looking at, at it throughout the year, throughout the allergy season.
0: And so, Dr. Kelkar, uh, a little bit more about uh, we're all excited that that the snow has melted away. Um, um, But this mold that is an issue this time of the year outdoors, uh, let's talk about that and what what you know about what happens with the melting snow and why that is particularly hard for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, when we have melting snow, obviously it's going to create wet areas. And wherever there is a wet area, there is mold growth. Um, So people need to be aware of that. And if they are sensitive to mold, obviously they are going to have the allergy symptoms, stuffy nose, runny nose, sneezing, itchy eyes. So they need to take precautions about that and use the right treatment plan. Mold allergy is also very high in the fall time because in the fall time we have rainfall, we have the leaves on the ground, and that creates wet areas. And those wet areas, again, have very high mold count. So if somebody is raking leaves in the fall time, that can be very high mold exposure. Mhm.
0: And as we talk about this, again, I want to remind you we're taking your phone calls. I'm talking uh, with the two guests who know a lot about allergies as well as asthma. Uh, I want to hear what your stories are in dealing with seasonal allergies. How do they affect your life, uh, affect your quality of life? What treatments or medications have you tried? What has worked for you? You can call us at 651 227 6000 or call 800 242 2828. You can ask. Questions as well, and so as we talk about uh, allergies and asthma, uh, Kenneth, what can you tell us about um, the the connection between those two? Because they're different things, but there is a connection.
2: Yeah, it's an immune system response, and so that that's uh, and, and what Dr. Kalkar said is some people have allergies that will then trigger your your asthma, and and asthma can be serious over. Uh, 3000 people die each year from asthma. So it's something that you have to understand what your triggers are. And just taking a step back, I mean, we've been talking about mold, we've been talking about trees, pollen. What we recommend as a patient advocacy organization is to see a specialist, it to, is to see someone like Dr. Kelkar, who I've never met before. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just putting that plug in there. But it's really important to understand what your triggers are is it mold? is it tree pollen is it are they grasses? and then also understanding what those triggers could be for your asthma and then getting on the right kind of treatment plan if your seasonal allergies triggers asthma, then controlling your seasonal allergies through allergy shots over the counter medication you know working with your specialist to understand how to reduce those triggers could also help your asthma if al- if allergies are a trigger for your asthma.
0: Dr. Kelkar, uh, let's take some time to talk about, again, this relationship between allergies and asthma and, and why we should be you know, concerned about like how we are addressing our seasonal allergies and whether or not we're actually seeing symptoms of asthma.
1: So allergies and asthma many times go hand in hand. In medicine, we call this as united airway because the airways, they start in the nose and sinus area, and they go down all the way to the lungs. So whatever creates inflammation, meaning allergy type of response, in the nose and sinus area, in the upper airways, the same thing can trigger allergic response or inflammatory response in the lower airways. And asthma essentially means inflammation in the lower airways that can create coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath, and chest tightness. Not only that, you know, a lot of asthma patients will end up in the emergency room if they do not appropriately treat their asthma with the right treatment strategies that may involve inhalers, that may involve appropriate prevention and control, depending on what is triggering their asthma.
0: And so when... People come in to see you uh, as a doctor. How do you make this diagnosis as to whether or not, or how is asthma diagnosed, Dr. Kalkar?
1: So asthma is diagnosed in a couple of different ways. The first step is taking the history. That means asking Mm -hmm. patients a number of questions regarding their respiratory system. Do they have cough? Do they have wheezing? Do they have shortness of breath? Do they have chest tightness? What is triggering that? How long that's been ongoing? Have they identified any allergy triggers? Do they have any pets at home? That will be part of our history. Then we typically do physical examination, and that involves listening to their lungs, checking their nose and sinus area. And if there is wheezing during physical exam, then that's a sign of asthma. Mm -hmm. The third thing we do is lung function testing, where we have patients breathe through a machine called spirometry. And that gives us some numbers that helps us assess if something uh, indicates asthma or some other disease that looks like asthma but not asthma. And finally, we give patients medications to control asthma, um, inhalers and other medications. And if the medications help you, if the tests indicate the possibility of asthma, you have symptoms of asthma, everything together together then we come to the diagnosis of asthma. So we have to take multiple factors into account, history, patient story, physical examination, what we find by auscultation, testing, that's the lung function testing I talked about, spirometry, sometimes allergy testing, because if there are allergy triggers, then we have to do allergy testing, and then the treatment and to check patients' response to treatment.
0: And so, uh, Kenny, what concerns or what have you seen in your research when we look at um, allergies and asthma? If we know that these these that you know, these seasons are, are longer for pollen and uh even with, with ragweed that, that that those seasons are, are lasting longer. Um, what are you seeing in terms of, of what is happening with with um just this urgency to educate folks and let people know that you should get some treatment for this because it in terms of climate change it's getting worse and longer. Sure. I mean, the, <clears throat> I'll answer that on a
2: number of levels. First, I, I just want to go back to what uh, Dr. Kalkar was saying and speak from an individual patient perspective. And that one happens to be me. You know, uh, you can ignore your asthma and you, you can compensate for it. and I, I'm sure Dr. Kalkar confirmed this, can confirm this. There are a lot of people who just uh, don't get their asthma treated and and just kind of motor along and say, oh, it's just my asthma and I'll get over it. Um and that's really dangerous. Do people it's do really... that? Do they say that? Yes. Yes. And and I've I've done that myself, unfortunately. And uh it, you know, I, I now being in this job, you, you know, as, as we mentioned, two of my three kids have had asthma. You talk about the family history. It's a history in my family. And I uh, probably wasn't as attentive as I should be uh for my asthma. And then I started to have some some trouble breathing. And I finally went into a doctor and uh, finally got, uh, saw a specialist because my general practitioner uh, really was just kind of treating the symptoms, but but not really diving down deeply in, into what was going on. So I got a spirometry test and saw that my lung function was significantly reduced. And that scared me because she said that can have a long-term impact on, on your lungs. And so that's where I started to really pay attention to my To my treatment, and would recommend that for anyone. When someone says to me, "I'm, you know, just meet a stranger," and they say, "Oh, what do you do?" And and I we talk start talking about allergies and asthma. I hear they have asthma. I say, "See a specialist and make sure your asthma is well controlled. Make sure you get a spirometry test uh, because I think that that's really important to understand how how bad your asthma might be." But then back to allergies, more and more people are coming in and saying, "My allergies are feeling." a lot worse than they ever were before. Or some people are even saying that I've never had allergies before and now I have allergies. And that gets back to the issue of climate change, the more uh, intense releases of pollen and the longer growing seasons, because what it is, is um, an allergic load for your body. It's your immune system response. And you can have a certain response with a certain allergic load uh, or, or a certain allergic load might not trigger a response in your body. But now because there's so much more pollen uh, and a longer season, then that allergic load increases in that threshold in your body. It might be hitting the threshold, mm-hmm. the trigger threshold in your body. And that's why you're suddenly getting allergies when you never had them previously.
0: And Dr. Kelkar, uh, are you seeing and are you hearing from your colleagues more new patients? or more people coming forward? Like, I- I've never had a problem before, but this year I'm struggling. Are you seeing that? Yes, every year
1: we are seeing more and more number of patients coming into our clinics because of allergies and asthma. And again, a lot of that goes back to climate change. You know, sometimes people say climate change or oh, that's about future. That's not about future, that's about today. This is happening today. So we need to educate ourselves about climate change. We need to educate ourselves about environmental justice. This matters. And unless people educate themselves and people think that this really matters, the government won't change and implement policies that are, uh, you know, stronger. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. I want to take some phone calls. Uh, Let's get some of our listeners in on this conversation as we talk about seasonal allergies and asthma. Uh, How do allergies affect your life, your quality of life? What treatments or medications have you tried? What has worked? Call us at 651-227-6000 as well as 800-242-2828. We do want to talk about treatments, what's working, what the options are uh, with our doctors. But first, let's uh, take a call from a listener. In Minneapolis, we have Bailey on the phone. Bailey, thank you for waiting. And what did did you want to share or ask about allergies?
3: Hi. um, I wanted to share my experience over the last couple of years. Um, You guys have been talking a lot about how... um, The allergy season has been lengthening, and I've definitely been feeling that. Mm -hmm. And I actually decided to start getting allergy shots a couple of years ago, but I completely lost my ability to keep doing that when COVID started.
0: Did the shots work, and how frequently were you getting them, Bailey? Bailey?
3: I was getting them twice a week, and I was Mm. seeing improvement. So Mm -hmm. I was really sad when I wasn't able to continue.
0: And so what are you doing now? Because you still have symptoms, what are you doing now as a treatment?
3: Um, I've been taking Singular and Zyrtec for years. Uh, Singular, you have to get a prescription for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've been making sure I keep on that. I'm unable to skip any days, though, because I can tell when I've uh, skipped a medication.
0: And so um, do you have a question for the doctors or what, is, what did you want to share?
3: Um, I guess my question for the doctors would be, um, I started taking um, the allergy shots in a different state. And I just wanted to ask if you had um, some advice for someone trying to get back into allergy shots.
0: Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Bailey. A a lot going on there. So Dr. Kilkar, uh, first, let's talk about um, one of the things I think happens with people too, is that they are not consistent in their treatment and and that is problematic. So what can you say about that? Like if you find something that works, being consistent in in doing that or taking that?
1: Right. I mean, if a treatment plan works, for example, what we call as allergy immunotherapy or allergy shots, if it's working If people have changed locations, they can certainly restart the treatment because you don't want to quit something that's been working well for you. Mm -hmm. Allergy shots or allergy immunotherapy is actually one of the oldest treatments for allergies. It's more than a century old. Uh, Initially, the allergy shots were started in London and New York in 1912, uh, in in that time frame, 1912, 1920. So it's more than a century old treatment.
0: And then with the over-the-counter medications and prescription medications, um, um, Bailey said she was taking both. So w- what's the difference, the big difference with what we see over-the-counter that we can get, like Zyrtec, she named that, Claritin, and then what's prescription and what's the difference in those two?
1: So, you know, there are a number of medications available these days. There are over-the-counter medications like Claritin, Allegra, Zyrtec that are antihistamines, Mm -hmm. Then there are medications like Singular or Montelukast. They block a different chemical in the body that produces allergies called leukotriene. So these are leukotriene blockers. Then there are nasal sprays that are over-the-counter like Flonase or Fluticasone, Nasocort, Rhinocort. These are steroid nose sprays. They reduce the inflammation. And then there are prescription nasal sprays like Astelin or Azelastin, which are antihistamine nasal sprays and then there are eye drops like patanol pataday a variety of eye drops available over the counter there are some prescription eye drops and what these you... medications have different mechanisms of action so that's why some mm. people need to combine these medications mm. in allergy specialty we always say if you are miserable with allergies sometimes you have to combine medications it's kind of like using Army, Navy, Air Force, CIA, <laughs> everybody working together to win the war. Yeah. it's the same analogy here. you have to use multiple medications
0: all right, and what do you hear back from patients' feedback? I'm someone who uses over the counter um, you know medications uh, and it works for me, but there are times i've I've had to have prescriptions. so do you hear from people do the over the counter things? Do they work because there's a lot out there?
1: Yes, they do work. Keep in mind the same over the counter medications that are available today. They used to be prescription Mm -hmm. about 5, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. but now they are over-the-counter. So no doubt they work, but some patients' allergies are so bad that those are not enough, and they have to use prescription medications or they have to use allergy shots or allergy immunotherapy, not because over-the-counter medications are not working, but -hmm. because the allergies are bad enough that over-the-counter medications are not enough.
0: Got it. All right, let's take another yeah, phone call. Uh, um, oh, go ahead, uh, Kenny. Before we take
2: this call, Angela, if I can mm-hmm. just a- add to that, it, yeah. you know, first off, I'm not a doctor, although my parents would have liked me to be one. Uh, <laughs> yes. but I happen to have lived through this. I, I would just say one thing uh, per what Bailey was saying. If she started her allergy shots in a different state, I believe in Dr. Kelkar. Maybe you could make sure I- I'm saying this right. But you know, we know that allergies can be different in different parts of this. this- The country based on whatever trees, pollens, or grasses are there. And so you might be in one area and you might be getting allergy shots, which are tailored to the local environment, but you might switch uh, locations. You might move from one area to another where the uh, tree pollens might be worse, whereas you might have been getting treated for ragweed and grasses. And then suddenly now you've got a tree pollen allergy, which you didn't have before, so I think it really depends on what part of the country you're in, and making sure that you you work with your specialists to understand what the triggers are, and then get, getting treated for that uh, that immunotherapy that uh, Dr. Kelcarl was talking about for that specific allergen.
0: We're t- uh, talking about seasonal allergies, talking with uh, a doctor, as well as Kenny Mendez, who is the president and CEO of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Okay, in St. Paul, let's talk to Trisha. Trisha, what is going on with you and what do you want to share with us about allergies?
4: Well, I I have all, you know, I have the seasonal um, tree pollen and ragweed really, really, bad and mm-hmm. so um, I take all the things I take singular and claritin and you know nose spray and and all that stuff at this time of the year but something I never hear talked about very often is um, the fatigue or tiredness mm-hmm. like at this time of the year I get so exhausted and I don't know sometimes I'm like is this real is this from my allergies or is this something? Else, and I can't really figure out a way to mitigate that particular symptom.
0: All right. Let's uh, talk to Dr. Kelkar about that. So Trisha's taking uh, her medications and it is making her tired. Or is, is it making her tired? Is it the medication or, or the allergy season itself, doctor?
1: Yes. You know, it can be both. Sometimes people can have a side effect from a medication and that can make them tired. Mm-hmm. There are some antihistamines that can have a rare side effect of drowsiness. Uh, There are also non-drowsy antihistamines, but having said that, some patients even get tiredness from those. That's one aspect. The second aspect is allergies by itself can make you tired. Uh, Mm -hmm. As I mentioned before, if your nose is congested, you are not able to breathe through the nose at nighttime. Your sleep is going to get disrupted. When there is sleep disruption, it's going to automatically translate into tiredness throughout the day. So here we are talking about multiple factors that can lead to tiredness.
0: And so I I just want to underscore the the point here that, that this the seasonal allergies, I mean, this is disruptive, Dr. Kelkar. Do you find that people describe it that way as well?
1: Yeah, for some patients, it can be highly disruptive. Some patients, it's not too bad and they can manage it with over-the-counter medications. Yeah, but some patients, it's highly disruptive for their life and they literally have to use a variety of strategies to control it. But again, I want to emphasize, if anybody is miserable with allergies, as long as you have the right treatment strategy in place, you should be able to enjoy the outdoors because we have many great treatment options available these days.
0: I love that. Dr. Kelkar, I need to take a moment and ask you about the neti pot. Nasal rinses. What do you want people to know about uh, neti pots and, and how effective that treatment can be if you have problems with allergies?
1: Yes. First thing I want people to know that neti pot works as long (laughs) as you use it.
0: (laughs) And close the door to the bathroom when you're doing it because it's loud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I always tell patients that it's going to take you a few days to get used to it. It does work, but people need to make sure that they are using it on a daily basis pot will work when you have symptoms and when you use it, when you start getting symptoms. But better to use it preventatively. So if your symptoms are from March to October, you may want to start using pot just a week before that and continue throughout the allergy season. I compare that to brushing your teeth because it's going to keep the area of the nose and sinus passages clean no pollens, no irritants, less inflammation, and it's going to be very helpful.
0: And Kenny, I mentioned that that, that you and two of your kids have uh, allergies. What treatment options have worked for you all? Uh, well, we two, two of my three kids have actually gotten
2: allergy shots, and they started. one started in high school. They're in their uh, 20s now, but one started in high school. The other one refused to get it, and then after he graduated from college, he started to get uh, allergy shots. So <clears throat> those have helped significantly for them in addition to all the over the counter medications that uh Dr. Kelkar mentioned. And in fact, I got allergy shots twice in my life, once in my uh when I was in elementary school and then again in my my 20s and I stopped and I feel like uh it's probably time to start that up again. Uh, because I let that lapse. So I, hmm. I think it's really important for people to understand that they need to pay attention to this if they're feeling it. For what Dr. Kelkar said, there's no reason why you can't uh, be on a good treatment plan uh, so you're less miserable.
0: Dr. Kalkar, uh, have you seen young people, children in particular, have they been able to outgrow their allergies? I know my son took shots weekly for about two years, and by the time he was a teenager, he no longer had a problem with them. Does that happen?
1: Yes, you know, studies have shown that in quite a few patients, if you do allergy immunotherapy injections continuously for about five years, you have a decent chance of outgrowing allergies uh, in the sense that you may have some allergy symptoms after that, but they will not be as severe or they will not be as frequent. Now, granted that in some patients, the allergy symptoms may come back after a few years, as Mr. Mendez just mentioned, and they may have to go back on allergy immunotherapy injections.
0: All right, let's take a phone call from a listener as we talk about seasonal allergies and asthma and treatment options. Uh, This is Jenny in Minneapolis. Good morning, Jenny.
4: Hi, I'm a person that um, the second time I saw my allergist here in the Twin Cities, he said, oh, yeah, you're one of those patients that's allergic to everything. Uh (laughs) Um, Airborne, not food or anything mm-hmm. uh for as as a child i took allergy shots much like i think it's is it kenny um in my 20s i did and recently i did for five years and then just stopped right around the pandemic good timing and it <laughs> it does you you do them for a number of years and it stays with you but i wanted to bring up a couple of other things to ask the doctor uh to point out i find that my friends that have allergies. Um, you know, spring comes and they're like, oh, I took a Claritin and it didn't make me better yet. And that's because those newer antihistamines are great, but you need to take them on a longer basis versus that would be like, yeah, Claritin, Zizol versus like a Benadryl or a Chlortrimeton that are like whammo and are really fast. And then I had two other questions about um, using pseudoephedrine for severe congestion and then uh drugs like mucinex for um when you get all gunked up. <laughs>
0: okay. So Jenny, I'm you I'm going to ask this question of Dr. Kelkar. So the first thing, I think a lot of people think like uh, taking, we'll say, a Claritin, it's not a one-time fix, not an instant fix. If you're taking over the counter medicines or prescription stuff, you got to take it, you know, regularly and not just think one pill is going to make a difference. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Uh, antihistamines typically work better if you take them ahead of time, they will also work once the symptoms start, but they are better to be taken ahead of time. And they will be, you will need to take them continuously for a while to start seeing significant improvement. If you just take one pill, yes, you may have some benefit, but it will not be adequate for most patients.
0: So taking something daily, even if you're not having symptoms, that just means that it's working. So you want to keep taking the medication until the season's over?
1: It depends on your allergy Mm -hmm. season. For example, some patients may be just allergic to tree pollen, so they will need to take claritin or some other antihistamine continuously through the tree pollen season. They may not need that in summer or fall. But if somebody is allergic to trees, grasses, ragweed, other weeds, they are going to need that continuously from March until end of October.
0: And one more question, uh, you know, when I go to uh, a drugstore, these medications can be expensive. And so what's the difference between something like Claritin, the brand name, and the generic or the store brand name? I mean, there's a difference in price. Should I not care about what label is on there but look at the ingredient?
1: You can just buy generic. Whatever Mm -hmm. is cheaper, they are going to work the same. Uh, In fact, many of the big, big box retailers like Costco, Sam's Club, you know, Amazon, you can find cheaper deals on generic antihistamines.
0: Mm. Uh, Kenny, I want to make sure we have time to talk about air quality because um, a couple of years ago we had some days of of very poor air quality here in Minnesota with with, uh, smoke from wildfires uh, in Canada drifting and settling over parts of Minnesota. Then this winter we had a few days when the air quality was particularly bad here in the Twin Cities. I mean, for years this has been an issue. So how does poor air quality affect people with allergies, and do you think we're going to see more of that in the years to come? Sure. I mean, I
2: I, I think the poor air quality – uh, makes and, and amplifies the impact of, uh, you know, the pollen seasons and is, is a pathway to bring more into your lungs. So, so and, and plus, wildfire and smoke is, is just an irritant for anyone to begin with. Uh, so, so I think it's really important, uh, to follow the air reports, uh, so you understand, uh, what the air quality is if you're going outside. Uh, to make sure that you avoid those times when there's, uh, bad air quality alerts. So for example, you'll have ozone alerts and they'll tell you to stay indoors if you have, uh, COPD or asthma, because that can be an irritant and a trigger for, for your asthma. But I, I, I just want to back up to one, one thing while we're talking about, um, kind of urban environments. You know, there's this concept of an urban heat island, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't know about, but, Uh, the average temperatures in in urban areas can be almost four degrees warmer than uh, non-urban areas. And that uh, amplifies the impact of allergy seasons. And and there've been studies that have done, that were done that show that ragweed pollen uh, is is seven times higher in a city that averaged uh, a higher temperature. And there was 30% more carbon dioxide. So that urban heat island impact Mm -hmm. has an impact on people with allergies in those areas. And then when you extend that to certain populations bearing a disproportionate burden of both the urban heat island effect and air pollution, because it's a result of a long history of housing policies in the U.S. that have discriminated against these groups. So they tend to uh, live in areas uh, in undesirable neighborhoods where there are greater environmental and social risks. So, so that gets back to what Dr. Kelkar was saying earlier, is the environmental justice piece. And we're living it and seeing it, you could see it through the lens of asthma and allergies.
0: And so I'm sure in your work, uh, Kenny, with the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, you've learned some things about racial disparities and who is most yeah. likely to experience allergies and asthmas. And um, tell us more about that, some of the reasons, and, and then also folded into that can be access to health care.
2: Sure. W- we released a, an asthma disparities report in 2020, and it was an update of a re- report we did back in 2015 where... Um, the, we tried to see what the changes were uh, in terms of the disparities. And now, even though the improvements have changed, the disparities haven't. And Black Americans are still three times more likely to die from asthma, five times more likely to be treated in an emergency room, and Black women have the highest mortality rate of any gender or ethnic group from asthma. So there are significant consequences to certain communities because of asthma and allergies.
0: So with Black women, it's because of where we are living, and it's because of where, you know, again, again, that access to health care that would make that disparity so huge?
2: Yes, it's, it, it's, it's a complex issue, but it's, it's definitely based on where you where you live, your access to care, access to specialists, and affordability of medications for you
0: uh to manage something like asthma on, on a on a long term basis, let's take uh more phone calls as we talk about seasonal allergies, how they affect uh, our quality of life and treatments and medications um six five one two two seven six thousand is the number to call in Winona uh Jim is on the phone Good morning Jim, Jim Good morning hi what's going on with you hi, with allergies? Good
5: hi. Well, you know, just a background, I was actually, I'm a New York, Puerto Rican kid and had very bad allergies as a child Mm. growing up. And I went through a lot of the traditional, you know, I had shots, I had the very painful tests, et cetera. Mm. Back then it was painful. I don't think so much now. But since moving to Winona, um, I still have allergies, you know, beginning of the season. And I, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, met with a homeopath who, uh, not prescribed, but, um, directed me towards homeopathic remedies, which work a little bit like allergy shots. You know, it's a small pill or a droplet that has minuscule amounts of the thing that sets you off, but it allows your body to build up its own natural immunities. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that a lot more than taking some of the over-the-counter prescriptions as those would give me foggy head and I just didn't, you know, and then I had to keep taking them. With homeopathic remedy, I found that if I got started a week or two before allergy season, I took it for maybe two or three weeks, and then I was free and clear, and I found that my body has built up more immunity. If there's a you know, particularly bad season, I might have to repeat the homeopathic cure, but I, I like it because it's um, it's it, it's working with your body's natural immune uh, uh, responses more so than, you know, having to introduce some foreign medications into your body, but Again, I also think, you know, a lot of what the traditional medical system is doing is incredibly helpful. The other thing that I've done is um, I started swimming in high school, and that has really helped reduce. I suffered from very bad asthma, and that's also significantly reduced it. So hmm. that's, that's my bit.
0: Thank you, Jim, there in Winona. Uh, Dr. Kelkar, uh, anything interesting there that you heard in, in his story?
1: You know, there are a number of home remedies available and for certain patients, they may work. I have heard about people taking local honey and a number of other things. Uh, What I say to patients is, you know, I can't argue against success. So if you tell me a success story, I can't argue against that. If it works for you, that's great. If patients' allergies are severe, definitely I would recommend that they need to see their healthcare provider or allergy specialists, because then you want to find out what is triggering allergies and take control of them, rather than being miserable through the allergy season.
2: Let's go, I, I, oh, go. Angela. I Just absolutely, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that because we hear that all the time as a national organization, and we we say it's really important to work with your healthcare provider, in particular your specialist, to understand what your triggers are. Uh, because you want to be under care, especially if you have asthma, you, you want to make sure you, you, uh, don't have a situation which is, uh, will put you in the hospital. So I think it's really important to work with your healthcare provider and a specialist in particular. Uh, So you really understand what your triggers are.
0: And also, too, uh, recognizing, again, that if you move, uh, you know, moving state to state, I never had problems with seasonal allergies until I moved to Minnesota, a group on the East Coast. But also, I guess, maybe if you move from region to region within a state. And and Kenny, is there more you can say about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It really depends on what the triggers are and what the allergens are. So, for example, in our Allergy Capitals report, uh, as we did it this year, there were a number of cities from Florida that ranked quite high. And that's because they have a a much longer growing season and probably more more tree pollen than in in other parts of the country. So your allergies can be very different in Florida than they are in Minnesota. So it's something that you really need to test and work with an allergist once you arrive in a new place and feel like you're going to be settling in there and living there for a while.
0: Let's take a phone call from a listener in St. Cloud. Uh, Mahmoud is on the line. Good morning. What did you want to tell us? Hello? Hi, we can hear you. Go ahead.
6: Hi, my name is Mahmoud. And uh, I have a question uh, about the allergies. And I'm glad you guys are talking about I got the right time now. And uh, so I used to have allergies, but it was really a mild form. I have never taken a medication like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It used to be just a normal thing my body will take care of usually. But now it has been getting worse and worse that I have to take sometimes a week for medication. And so I was wondering, I have two questions. One is that, and now I got also a lingering, like, throat clearing. after I, like, I take the medication, it looks like it's cleared, but still I have a lingering, like, uh, throat clearing every minute. And I work in a medical field where I interact with the patient sometimes, like, saying every second, clearing your throat every second, just makes it. some people think that, oh, he's sick and he's trying to help me. That is not going to help. So and I was wondering, is there something that um, uh, we can I can take that will help my immune system to take care like, it used
0: to be. Okay. So uh, Mahmoud, Mahmoud, Mahmoud there in, in St. Cloud uh, says, you know, allergies have gotten worse, and now he's taking uh, uh, over-the-counter medication, but he's clearing his throat all the time, Dr. Kelkar. What's that about, the throat clearing? You know, throat clearing can be from many causes. One of the causes of
1: throat clearing is allergies, because allergies can produce post nasal drip, and that can cause throat ah. clearing. But throat clearing can also come from chronic sinusitis. Throat clearing can also come from silent reflux. Some people don't have heartburn, but they can have silent reflux triggering throat clearing. Some patients have other causes for throat clearing. So allergies is just one of the causes.
0: All right, in our last couple of minutes, Dr. Kelkar, I want to make sure we talk about the allergy screening. So someone uh, taking that first step, going in to see uh, a doctor like you, um, walk us through how you start to, you know, work with someone to get them on this road to recovery. What do we need to know about the screening that is involved?
1: So the first step is when a patient comes to us, we take the history, meaning we understand patient's story. And then based on patient's story, we tailor the allergy testing. If we are suspecting environmental allergies, then we will tailor the testing for environmental allergies that will involve dust mites, cat, dog, mold, tree pollens, grass pollens, ragweed, and fallweeds. If you have food allergies, then we will include food allergies in the same panel. Once the history part is done, patient story, we have decided what testing to do. We also make sure that we do physical exam We auscultate the lungs. You know, some patients with allergies can have asthma. Some patients with allergies can have sinusitis. We have seen patients who have more than one thing going on at the same time. For example, the same patient who has allergies can have sinusitis, can have reflux, can have asthma. So appropriate diagnosis is very important. And then the third thing we do is allergy testing and then lung function testing if necessary, depending on your symptoms, and then we make a treatment plan. Now, the treatment plan may include medications, or that may include allergy immunotherapy in addition to medications. That's allergy shots.
0: Dr. Kelkar, we... We're out of time for the hour, but it sounds like the message is uh, there is help available, that there is something that you can do that will help your current situation. I want to thank our guests this hour. We've been talking with uh, Dr. Pramo Kelkar, an allergy and asthma specialist with Alina Health, as well as... Uh, Kenny Mendez, the president and CEO of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Dr. Kelkar, for all of your advice. And thank you to your, our listeners, too. Uh, good luck with those allergies, everybody. Be safe, everyone. We'll talk again tomorrow morning at 9. This conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.